straight from Music City. Don't judge a book by its cover. A podcast for future-ready librarians. This podcast, called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians, focuses on changing the perception of school librarians, improving instructional practices, being a collaborative partner, and essentially just great library talk. I'm Stephanie Hamm, the Director of Library Services for Metro Nashville Public Schools, and I will be your host today. Today we'll be chatting with AASL President Mary Keeling. I met Mary through Liliad almost five years ago. She is a wealth of knowledge and I can't wait to share this episode. Mary is the supervisor of Library Media Services in Newport News, Virginia. As a district supervisor, she has led the development and implementation of district-wide inquiry process model. Prior to her work as an elementary school librarian, Mary worked in academic and museum libraries. She has served as the president of our state-level library association, chair of the AASL supervisor section, and several other AASL committees. She is an adjunct at Old Dominion University, has written for School Library Monthly, Knowledge Quest, and Library Media Connection. She also chaired the AASL Implementation Task Force in 2017 and is currently your AASL president. In her spare time, Mary sews and binge reads mysteries and historical fiction. She got her start as a binge reader in fourth grade when she read every horse book in the school library and then announced there was nothing else left to read. She claims her nine years doing reader's advisory in an elementary school was well-deserved karma. So, without further delay, enjoy this episode of Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Okay, welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to share this conversation today with my dear friend, Mary Keeling. So, Mary, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So, for... Um, Any new listeners out there, we have the same three questions that we start each podcast with. So, Mary, can you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. So, I've been working in libraries since 1978 or 79. I, my first five years in libraries were as a technical, I were first, my first year was as a secretary to a department head in um, the Old Dominion University Library. And I was a real pain in the neck. (laughs) So, so he um, got me a promotion pretty quickly (laughs) to get me out of his office and get a real secretary. And um, from there, I went to Colonial Williamsburg, the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation, where I was the architectural research librarian for about nine years. And then for five years, I was the visual resources librarian. So basically what I did was I ran the um, stock photos of the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation, which was half a million images with no catalog. Oh, wow. You, You had to have seen everything to know where it was. And while I did that job, um, I got my library degree from Catholic University. And from there, I started working as a school librarian in, I want to say, 1995 or 96. And I was in a school library for about nine years. Um, The second to last full year in the job, I um, completed my national board certification, which changed my life and opened my eyes to everything that was possible. And then I became supervisor. And so I've been supervisor of school libraries for about 15 years. And okay, so next question, what's your favorite book? 
So I thought about this a lot over the weekend, and um, I have to say my favorite book is The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. Okay, what's a normal morning like for you? So I'm I'm going to take this as the morning from when I my feet hit the ground to when I go out the door. Okay. So my husband and I, um, we no no longer have children at home. Our our children are successfully launched adults, <laughs> but I do now have um, custody of a cat that was my son got in the the breakup of a relationship. So Frank is now living with us. So when the alarm goes off, Frank is ready to be fed. And so I we have set it up so that the cat food is on the ironing board. So I don't have to stumble mm-hmm. very far to feed him. So I feed Frank and then I go downstairs, make myself a cup of coffee, eat a banana, get the newspaper, read the newspaper, then I cook four eggs with spinach, and I eat that, and then I shower, dress, and out the door. So it's pretty much the same thing every day. Oh, that that sounds amazing. I'm only laughing because if anyone has met Mary, she is like the tiniest, and I mean that in a very... Um, positive way. I mean, you are just, you're little. And the fact that you eat four eggs and spinach in the morning um, just cracks me up. All right. Well, now we're going to kind of jump into the, I guess I'll say in quotations, library questions. And, you know, I think anyone that has met me and has heard me talk about Mary is I greatly respect your point of view and what you bring to the profession. So my first question was just like, so you know, we can prepare. I believe that you know what's going on. So what do you think school librarianship will look like in 10 years? And how should we prepare? So there, I think I'm going to focus on three specific things. Um, One is school librarianship is going to be about knowledge creation. We'll also see a continued explosion of formats. The print book is not going away. Um, I do think that we will continue to have a lot of innovation around production of stories and stories and information in lots of different formats. And the third thing that I think we absolutely must be prepared for is the diversity of our student body. So in terms of preparing that, I'm going to start with the last trend first with um, preparing for diversity. I think that it's because our teaching force is overwhelmingly white and our school Mm -hmm. librarian force is overwhelmingly white, I think we have to consciously address that by um, digging into understanding how our own cultures have shaped us and how culture shapes others. And of course, this is um, a call to become culturally responsive. Um, The second thing is about um, knowledge creation. So we have to be prepared to facilitate group interactions. And as far as um, formats and um, multiplicity of formats and niche publications. I think I'm really concerned about this because I think that our mainstream reviewers maybe are not reviewing everything that's available to us. Okay, so you and I both have similar positions in large districts. For me and for the MMPS librarians listening, how do you encourage your librarians to collaborate and work with school leadership in their building? That's a tough one. 
So the structures that I have in place have to do with um, using traditional library structures to engage, to encourage librarians to engage more voices in the decisions that they make. So the one that is a library advisory team set up collection priorities with. They can be more responsive to curriculum needs in the collections. And so as part of our collection development process, I have them do a budget justification form. So we have district funding that is given to each of the school mm -hmm. librarians. I ask them to identify a problem focus in their school, which hopefully they are developing in consultation with this library advisory team and then and discussing with their principal and then identifying specifically how they're using school library resources to add materials that will address those. We've increased the librarian's ability to articulate how they're using collection development to address the needs of the school in, in a really business-like kind of way. So then that goes to the principal with a letter that the librarian has an opportunity to say, here's what I want to add to the collection and here's why. Um, and they can, um, I encourage them to write a brief two to three sentence summary of the goals in that um, email. So that's an advocacy piece that I have them do. It looks to the principal like the principal is approving how they're spending their money. But it gives them an opportunity to say, I want to talk to you further about this. Mm -hmm. And um, there, there's a place on the email, on the memo that says, yes, this is fine. No, I'd like to talk to you about a little bit further. They almost all 100% check it off and sign it and, and give it back to, to them. So I think this will kind of lead, you know, really into the next question. And I'm excited to hear about this because we are in a time where our profession is changing. We talked about what we thought it would look like. And you are our current president of AASL. And you've been involved with the organization for many years. So you've seen kind of, what would you say, what do you feel is the most important item AASL is working on right now? Well, we, you know, in June 2019, we approved a strategic plan, and I think this plan is really powerful, partly because it it is built on the voices of a, over 100 member leaders. We pulled about 100 people together in January of 2019, and from their work, we developed our strategic plan, which is basically we have three goals. One is to build capacity for leadership at all levels. The second one is about education policy. We intend to influence local, state, and national policy to ensure that school libraries are well-funded and fully staffed with full-time certified school librarians and dedicated support personnel. And finally, um, the third is to advance research that informs school librarian practice. And so I think the most important thing we are working on right now is fleshing out that strategic plan in an operational plan. You were also instrumental in rolling out the new standards, but I know from my personal experience that they can be overwhelming. So if some if a new librarian comes to you this first time seeing their standards, 
where do you, would you suggest that they start? This is a Paige Jager strategy. So get three highlighters. I think Sarah Kelly Johns told me about this. So I want to give credit to all the people <laughs> from whom I got my ideas. Make a copy of the standards. So get get your hands on um, either the learner standards or the school librarian standards or the school library alignments and just work with one of them at a time. Getting to know one of those frameworks will help you understand the others. So focus on one framework. Use one color highlighter and highlight everything you know you're doing. Then take another highlighter and highlight the things that you know you just never do. And then from those, you can do a couple of different things. You can leverage your strengths to learn about the things you're not doing, or you can just dig into like one thing you know you're not doing. So let's clarify that a little bit further. So let's say you use um, text annotation strategies when you're helping kids with note making. So you can use like an exclamation point to signify something you really agree with. And then you can use a question mark to indicate things that you don't understand what they mean. Then you can draw a box around a phrase that's new to you. Um, and so uh, as an example, I use the collaboratively constructed information sites is a phrase that I drew when I did this. I drew a box around. Because I said, what in the world is that? Well, the editors used that kind of non- trademarked language to suggest things like Facebook or Instagram mm -hmm. or Pinterest or whatever. So they are information sites that are collaboratively constructed, right? So so then you do sort of a vocabulary, um, you do some vocabulary work with the ones, the things that you've drawn a box around, you just go figure out what it is they mean by that. And then the things that you have question marks about, again, you'll want to dig into what you maybe have a discussion with friends about, well, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like for you? Love this strategy because it makes all of us still a learner. Um, exactly. And doing sort of a gap analysis. What do I already do and celebrate that and what's new and different for me and how do I make how do I make change happen in my professional life? That's that's what I would recommend someone do. Mary, I love how you just talked about too, what am I doing and celebrate it? Because I think one thing, and part of this is the world that we live in with social media too, and just seeing all of it that we see on Twitter or something, everyone doing all of these things. But what I tell my librarians is you guys are all doing great things and you need to you know, be proud of the great things that you are doing instead of comparing to other people. So I love that you that you said that. Last AASL question, 
you know, getting all my my info from you uh, right now. So they're recently, like within the past like two weeks, or I mean, within the past month, there was a change in the bylaws regarding the board of directors. Could you tell our listeners about the changes and why um, there was a need to make a change in the leadership stru- structure? Sure. So we had a board that was about 19 people. If you've ever tried to have a collaborative conversation with 20 people, <laughs> you get an idea of of what maybe might have led to this. And so what happens is when you have a board that large, it's very hard for everybody to have a voice in the decisions. And so there's been a lot of change in boards in general. Um, and so there's been some research about what's an effective board, what's the most effective group of people with with which to make decisions. And so there's some evidence that groups of seven make the most effective decisions and that when you add one member, that decreases the group's effectiveness by 10%. So the goal of the change was to streamline governance and to improve the board's ability to lead. Um, And so now we anticipate that this new board will actually replace the executive committee and the board will be able to meet monthly as opposed to just twice a year. Mm -hmm. And so then as they make decisions, they can be implemented more effectively and in a more timely manner. So, but let's say me, Stephanie Mm Ham, I have a concern that I want to take to this new executive board. You know, is there a certain place, you know, person that I would reach out to or is it like, but is there a structure where it's like, okay, you're in Tennessee, you're in region four, um, you know, you used to have that person that you could reach out to. I think that there will probably always be a way for you to reach out. Um, there's a like a there's definitely an AASL president email address mm-hmm. that you can send information to me. But I think that's probably something we need to pursue and just make sure that it's very clear that there's a way for um, members to reach out to the board in general. Surprisingly, we are actually at our last question. So this podcast is called Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, a podcast for future-ready librarians. But we also know that it is really hard work. What advice do you have to school librarians, especially those that are wanting to change the perception of school librarians? Okay, so I do have some ideas about that. Um, One is to embrace the chaos of learning. It is chaotic. You know, it's like three steps forward, one step back, Mm -hmm. two steps back sometimes. And um, most of us, well, I don't know, most I am, um, like things to be sort of orderly and chaos is alarming. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to we need to just roll with it and, and roll with our kids. I think it's important for our school librarians to get out of the office. If we are spending time in our offices, we're not spending time with people. So it's super, super important to prioritize any work we do with people and to talk about how we changed somebody's life. To You know, I, I also think we and this is a, a fault of mine, we tend to assume that people notice our good work and mm-hmm. uh, respect it, but 
people, everybody's focused on something else usually. And so we need, we sometimes need to articulate exactly what we did that made a difference for someone's lives. So prioritize work with people. So I think that's really important using smart business practices like that um, really will increase um, being business-like in general, I think, and, and articulating how you made decisions based on um, community needs and being available to communities, I think that's important. I think people, nobody doesn't like libraries, mm-hmm. but I think that we can do a better job of showing how well we, how well we improve lives for all people. So I, th- I just think that's really important. That was amazing. And thank you so much for um, your time today and all that you had um, to tell us. Um, I will be sharing um, Mary's contact information in the notes. And so if you have further questions for Mary, I she's always responsive and you know, please make sure you reach out to her. If you like what you heard today, be sure to share it with a friend and subscribe to this podcast. And Mary, as always, thank you so much. And I can't wait to connect soon. Thank you, Stephanie. Don't judge a book by its cover.